Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is a Palestinian-American brand marketer at Nike. Welcome to the show, Mo Dabar. Hey, Noor. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming. We've been planning this for, uh, I would say, maybe a year. Has it been a... No, not a year. No way. But... Over six months, for sure. For sure. Um, why, Why were you so hesitant to join me on this glorious podcast? Um, this is my first one. So, you know, it's a special, special milestone in my life. And honestly, a privilege and honor, because I know you've been running your podcast for a while. I don't remember for how long. I'd love for you to remind me. I think like and you've had some pretty cool guests. Years? Four years? Yeah. Wow. Kind of crazy. Oh my God, I'm so like excited that you're like, you feel this way because listen, I'm a rat. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no. I'll take it. No, no, no. Honestly, I respect it a lot. And it's twofold. I respect it a lot, and I wanted to make sure that I was in a place to deliver. And two, um, I'm just a bit nervous, you know? I've never done one of these, and it's it's different than, like, an Instagram post or putting yourself out there in that way. It's a an hour long, um, and who knows what we're going to talk about. It could and, be anything. Right. And, um, you know, just overthink some things. But here we are. We're doing it. It's so interesting to me because I find that like no matter who the guest is how many times they've been on the show how well I know the person the feeling of being nervous before recording it's like that's a constant everyone is always a little nervous and then as soon as they do it they're like why the fuck was I nervous at all but then if I have them on again they're like I'm nervous and it's like what is it about recording audio is it because it feels more intimate maybe and I think like I like to know like what I'm getting myself into. Mm-hmm. I think when I spoke to you about it a few weeks ago, I asked if there would be a script or imagine like, this was all scripted, right? <laughs> or like a <laughs> or like a theme or a special topic. But I want to say like even after having just started a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. I feel it feels easy, it feels chill. Yeah. No, we're just we're just gapping. But it would be funny if I did like create like a script for us to read off of. And it's like, I love Noor. Noor is the, <laughs> is the best person. I'm like, go on. Tell a me. script or like some really hard questions, like trivia. I, I'm really bad at trivia. Really? I guess it depends on what kind of trivia. That's true. I'm like, now that I'm saying it out loud, unless it's like trivia about like Gilmore Girls, I'm not going to do well. Which I have done Gilmore Girls trivia, but there were some white bitches there and they knew all the shit. And I was just like, <laughs> I don't remember what her fucking uh, teacher's name was, but um, I... I feel like the last week's episode with Maria, we did do, I asked her questions, like actually like written out questions, which I never do. And it was kind of interesting. So maybe who knows, one day I'll switch it up again and do some actually outlined real questions. But for now, we're just going to let the conversation take us where it will. Um, But no, so I met Mo probably around the time that I just moved to New York And I found out he was not only Palestinian, but from Gaza. And I immediately was like, okay, well, I love this man, but he doesn't know that. And then I think the first time we actually like had a conversation was at the Nike Iftar for Ramadan last year. Yeah. And that was a really special project. So we um, had a few friends in like the talent influencer space reach out that wanted to partner with Nike on throwing an iftar. And my team does all sorts of special projects from, we launched collaborations for Nike, we do influencer and talent partnerships, and then we activate around cultural moments and um, things that are important to the different communities that we like to speak to. And when they reached out, I thought it was like an exciting opportunity to like take my role and use it to like support and amplify a moment that doesn't get a lot of love, especially from... um, brands like a Nike, right? It's like always about like all these other communities and moments and like that sort of representation is really special and matters. And it was also really interesting. They wanted to do it with a focus on, they didn't want to exclude, but they wanted to amplify um, South Asian Muslim representation, which honestly as like a Palestinian um, Arab, like I also am guilty of like not thinking about that representation myself. It's a huge Muslim community, Absolutely. Asian and South Asian. Yeah. So um, the room was mostly like really brown and it was really beautiful. But yeah, I, now that I think about it, we sat next to each other. You came a little bit late. Shocker. Um, <laughs> no, no one is surprised. Oh, Noor was late. And um, 
yeah, I, it was really special because the whole the whole moment was we even had um, Amir who runs at Muslim. He was there, and everyone was just so happy to be there. And um, I think like creating like those kind of spaces and seeing more people like you in a room, whether it's at work, whether it's at an event like that. Um, is really cool. And we talked a lot about, actually, I think, um, what we had in common about uh, from Gaza, like, yeah. what our, like what our parents went through yeah. and some of the food we grew up eating. Because I believe, I can't remember, we might have been eating Somali food, Somalian it food was that Somali, night. It was Somali food, yeah. Yeah, and it was delicious. It was but so it, good. It wasn't what I typically eat for Ramadan. No, uh, there was like it. a salmon, like, I, the only thing I can compare it to is like fathayad, but it's like that little triangle thing, like a samosa type mm-hmm. of thing, and it had salmon in it. It was so fucking good. Yeah, and they had the Vimto, which I haven't had in years. And I, I remember when I first discovered that when I was maybe in sixth grade, thinking it was the coolest drink because it kind of looks like wine. It does look like wine. Yes. You, you're not an Arab child unless you poured Vimto into like a glass and pretended that it was wine and mm-hmm. you were getting drunk. Yep. And I had no interest in drinking at the time as a kid. It just it's had good that to, cool It's good factor. to know that you weren't an alcoholic baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is comforting. So yeah, that was really cool. Um, that's how we got just, that's how we started to get to know one another. I think I've said this to you before too. We talked about it recently. Like yeah. I knew who you were before you moved to New York because you were in a space that there isn't a lot of representation mm-hmm. for people like you, people like us, but especially women yeah. that wear hijab too. And and you were in Orlando, which always threw me off because I said this to you recently too. Like the photos was just, were just too cool, um, which no insult to anyone from Orlando or from Florida. <laughs> it's just, I didn't understand how the photos can turn out so good. Um, so I knew that you were moving here uh, and I thought it was super exciting. And I think something that I really enjoy about the work I get to do is like, I get to like the influencer world is just working in it. It's just so subjective. Like, yeah, yeah there are metrics. Yeah. Um, and oh, forgot to know all opinions are my own. <laughs> they are not from my employer. No. Should have started off the episode that yeah. way. Yeah. Disclaimer. Um, at least for my team, there are definitely certain teams that look more at like engagement rate and reach and audience size and whatnot, which are all super important yeah, for what valuable. you're trying to do. Yeah. Right. But a lot of what we focus on on my team are like, it's like building community mm-hmm. and like, really um, authentically connecting with people within those communities and helping bring them together, right? So for example, Kimberly Drew came to one of our running events with Chella Man, who's, mm-hmm. who, who I work with directly, and she hit me up a few weeks later out of nowhere just to thank me because one of the running coaches that was at the event, they hit it off, and now she's training for a half marathon. So it's kind of cool to be able to bring different types of people together, Um in that way. Um, and, ooh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So by working on that iftar and then getting to know you and Maria and other people that we're, we're all friends with and work, get to work with, which is so fortunate, it's like being able to, like, influence the work by, like, what I think is important. Yeah. And what I think needs to have more representation or needs to have more opportunity. Um yeah, so I really love it. That iftar was special. I'm, I'm hoping we, we're, we're starting to plan potentially another one in the next few weeks for Ramadan 2023. So we'll definitely have you a part of that Why too. Did, I wanted to say Ramadan 2023, let's fucking go, but I feel like that feels incorrect. Let's uh, freaking go. Let's freaking go. But no, honestly, that was my first Ramadan in New York also. Oh, true. And I think that was like the one iftar that I was like really excited, like genuinely. It was only for like brand if thought which it was you know it's obviously wasn't just like a, it felt more like a community like it didn't feel like a brand dinner like you know what I meant it yeah. felt like a community it felt like a real if thought like everyone was just chatting getting to know each other and I feel like a lot of times when you go to like a brand dinner it's like very much like you're sitting down and maybe you're talking to someone right next to you and that's kind of it but everyone was kind of chatting but I feel like also that seems to be the vibe because I did actually infiltrate the Lunar New Year dinner that Nike did. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, it was so fun. It was one of the most fun dinners I've ever had. Like, it was, the food was good. The people were all, like, chatting away. There was, like, a fucking raffle. Like, it was just really fun. Yeah, that was awesome. I have to do a little plug. So we did that dinner a few weeks ago to celebrate Lunar New Year, and it was after a campaign that we had just launched with, like, different people from different communities um, uh, representing uh, not just Chinese mm-hmm. New Year, but like we had some Vietnamese mm-hmm. folks, we had some Korean folks. It was really cool. Um, and the dinner was at Potluck Club, which 
only opened last summer, so, so check cute, it out. It's so good. It was so good. So cute. I and the agree. vibe, like everything about it, I was like, this is, why have I never been here before? Like, it's so fucking cute. Yeah. And you were more than welcome to be there. It wasn't just for members of the Asian communities. It's for allies. I was there. Um, but it was a beautiful room. Yeah. And then with the, the Ramadan iftar that we did last year, I like that it wasn't super brand heavy. There was mm-hmm. no branding at all. Mm-hmm. On, like the Evi or the menus, like you actually couldn't tell it was yeah. Nike. Um, oh, an event powered by Nike rather than a Nike hosted event yeah. is what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Because we really let the hosts who actually executed everything, they produced the whole event. They yeah. built the guest list. Yeah. We let them run the show. We just kind of supported it financially. And then we um, gifted everyone um, a pair of sneakers so they can wear some fresh kicks for Eid if they wanted to. So everyone that attended got a little something in the mail um, a day or two later, which was a nice subtle way of like, you know. A little kiss of Nike. A exactly. Little, a little Nike. Something tasteful. A little moi from, from the Nike team. But no, I feel like community building is something that is... I think even more so important in a place like New York city where most people are like far away from their families. And I feel like, like, again, for me, like first Ramadan and like, yes, I have friends who are Muslim, but like there is a lot of Muslims who will move to New York and not know anyone type of thing. And I'm like, that probably is very like isolating. And, um, it was really nice. And like growing up, I did avoid Muslim gatherings a, a lot to be honest with you, like when my school, my college would have like, if thought is like, I really wasn't into it. Cause it, it was a weird energy. That's the only way I can describe it. Like the energy was not something that I wanted to be around, but like, I was so pleasantly surprised. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I don't feel like I need to leave immediately. Like I actually <laughs> want to like engage with people. So that was also really refreshing. And I feel like something about New York that I really enjoy is like, I've been able to connect with like so many Arabs and like Muslim people that I actually like enjoy spending time with versus like in my hometown, I really could count on my hand, like the amount of them that I like. Yeah. And, and I can relate to that. Cause I spent basically eighth grade and up eighth grade high school and college in North Carolina. And it's just really homogenous like yeah. community there. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it's, there's a little bit of, there was a little bit of diversity at our masjid, but like not a ton. And then everyone was really similar, right? Like, you were married, you had kids. Like, there weren't a lot of atypical profiles of people or representations of how to be um, a Muslim. And then this dinner that we did last year, the iftar that we did last year, not only was it meant to really um, bring in and highlight and include non-Arab representations of Islam, it also was meant to be really inclusive of queer Muslims, Um, Muslims who don't feel like they can be accepted by the community because, um, for whatever reason, like we had DJs in the room, we had creatives, we had all types of folks represented that don't feel usually the most welcome. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize like how healing that was for me because I don't really practice anymore at all. I I love the religion. I respect it. Um, I think it's beautiful. I love learning about it growing up, but it's just not, I, I, and who knows, maybe one day I'll go back to it in a different way. Yeah. Uh, I think I think everyone should make, it's like everyone's own personal relationship Absolutely. with God and faith, and I respect that approach. Um, but I, I kind of stepped away when I went to college, definitely by 11th grade. But then when I went to college, I came out, mm-hmm. started drinking. I It opened up, which led to like some issues of itself. Yeah. But it also kind of let me see like that I could have a really vast and large and fulfilling social life and friend circle. And I didn't really have that when I was A, closeted, B, conflicted about my faith growing up, um, especially in high school. And um, yeah, that iftar just like made me feel, it it did a lot for me too, even though I was a sponsor of it. Yeah. Um, Just to see that beautiful room of people and meet queer uh, Muslim women. Yeah. I'd never met a Muslim, a queer Muslim woman before, um, or non-binary person before. Yeah. And it was super cool. And I think it really had an impact on all of our attendees. So, um, that said, I'm getting really excited about this year's. Me too. I'm like, I suddenly I'm excited for Ramadan. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks Mo at Nike. Um, but no, I, I did want to talk a little bit about like, you know, kind of growing up and cause we've spoken about this before where you, known that you were gay since you were like very young what was 
I mean, I know this is a very broad question, but like, do you have any like specific memories being young and like recognizing like, okay, like I, I'm attracted to, you know what I mean? Like what, what was that kind of like for you, especially growing up in a Palestinian Muslim home where that's not normalized in for the most part? Yeah, that's a good question. I, it's not so much from what I recall, we were just talking about how like, it's so hard to remember anything from I know. before 10 years old. But it's not so much from like when I knew I first was attracted to other boys or men. I think it's more like a softness mm-hmm. that I had, right? So like, this is going to sound cliche, but like, I loved like dolls and things that weren't as violent. Like I didn't enjoy wrestling yeah. or... Um, racing games or anything. I like just like a softer approach to like hobbies, life, love, etc. I loved my cats. Um, I loved hanging out with my mom. I loved also just paying really close attention to her and her friends. Not because I wanted to be a woman or anything like yeah. that, but it's something I could like see something in them as like really strong people. Yeah. And my mom was a housewife for a long time. And my dad wasn't around a lot. And he, you know, they, he, there wasn't a lot of infidelity and just being out late. And so I spent a lot of time with her by default. But I also got to, like, watch how she, like, navigated life. How she, I used to watch them fight. And, like, how she would hold her own. And mm-hmm. she, like, was really tough and strong and, and used her voice. And I think, like, that helped me understand that I was a bit different I mean the bullying also made it clear oh the bullying (laughs) because other people see it way before you do um which fucking sucks yeah but um I think as much as bullying sucks and I do not condone it it helps you like also come to terms (laughs) with the fact that like you're hiding something you're like bullying can be good (laughs) bullying helps you see what you're somehow missing right um because you're just yourself and you don't know any better um, yeah, it's just funny because this is like a weird story that I'm going to take us to, but I grew Let's up go. in, <laughs> Let's go. I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I lived there for 11 years before I started moving around, but I want to say I was maybe like nine, let's mm-hmm. say nine or 10. And I was playing tag in the street. I, I was always outside and barefoot or no shoes. No, no shoes. Oh, this okay. is Brooklyn. Okay. never mind, never mind. I'm thinking Florida barefoot. Oh, got it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, <laughs> never that. <laughs> but you probably shouldn't be barefoot in Florida either. Sorry, yeah, go on. Probably nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're on like... No, no. We, we should all be wearing shoes a few at few acres times. of grass. Yeah, 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 I don't know. I was just a disgusting child anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was playing tag and I ran into the street. And the, the street was like, you know, lined up with parallel parked cars. Like I couldn't see what was going on and I got hit by a car. What the fuck? Yeah. Sorry, I know the story is like taking a crazy like, oh twist. Oh my god! I ran into the street. I was I love tag and I hated being it. So <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. Oh yeah, I'm not good at catching people. It's so stressful. Clearly, I'm a bottom. Um, <laughs> and so I ran into the street and I got hit by a car and it didn't stop for a while because they didn't realize what happened. And five guys like ran out of the car. But mind you, while that's happening, I'm like sprawled out in the middle of the oh street. Oh my god! And my like satchel like pokemon bag like had flown off and my game boy fell out and my cd player with my britney spears cd fell out of its case and i had to grab all my stuff and it was just like the gayest like display (laughs) of things and i grab all my things and i see all the guys running toward me and i just immediately think oh i'm in trouble and i just grab my stuff and run home my ribs like aching a bit yeah you were hit by a moving vehicle yeah but you know if that would happen now i'd be in the hospital i went home and i was oh no when you're a child like your bones are like i don't know they're fucking jello or something was fine yeah and like and so i just ran home and like they eventually found out found where i live and they just checked in and made sure i was okay but that was me like i was like just a normal kid but i had like you know the things that i was into and was excited by i remember my dad's bestie Two, two quick stories. My dad's bestie, like we were in his car and I thought, actually thought my dad's bestie was kind of hot. Um, what was his <laughs> what, name? Was he actually hot? Um, I don't, or, not anymore because okay. I found his Facebook and you know, he's just older now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. at the time, he definitely was hot to me. And 
I think it's partially daddy issues, though. <laughs> but anyway, because he was, yeah. But uh, his name was Camille, and he was playing a Celine Dion CD. And I think it had just come out, like, around that time. The one that has, like, the power of love on mm-hmm. it. And the most iconic, I would say. He either gave it to me, or we went to The Wiz and bought a copy, or my, my dad bought me one. And, like, I was obsessed with Celine Dion at a really young age. And then the other story about my dad and his friends, because it's funny because my dad and his friends, like... My dad's no longer around, but it's funny how, like, through him and his network, like, I got to, like, be myself and, like, learn these small things about myself that were clear signals that I was queer. And the other one was my dad, I really wanted to see Mariah Carey's Glitter movie. And I've never seen that. Oh my god, it's horrible, but so good. That's all, I've only heard that it was horrible, but I've the soundtrack is good. It's all her, first of all. I feel like I definitely listened to the soundtrack because my sister Reem loved Mariah Carey, so. I'd watch it, um, but we, I had my, asked my dad to take me, and so it was him and his other best friend, three of us in the movie theater, watching this stupid gay movie. Your dad took you to watch Glitter? Yeah. Wow. That's... My thing is, I don't know if he knew what it was, but he certainly didn't make any comments about yeah. it or ask to leave or anything like that, but my dad was also fun. Like He yeah. had like a really long pinky nail, which means you know what. You know and what that means. He was in the streets, so who knows? Maybe my dad... Was just I think he was just more open minded. He was a, like a fun having kind of guy, yeah. like, too much fun, and that's why like if, if only he were here because I wonder like what kind of relationship we'd have. Yeah, because I'm I'm out to my mom, but she's also got more religious mm-hmm. after she became single, yeah. and now you know it's just the vibes are different. Yeah, but yeah. So, how old were you when you came out? You you said you were in college, right? Yeah. So, I. In high school, like in 10th grade, I stopped praying five mm-hmm. times a day. I was like, this is just like not. Wait, you were praying five times a day? Yeah, oh, I wow. try. Mashallah. Yeah, <laughs> and I fasted up until until college. I fasted every year. I love Ramadan. I love like the feeling of, but I also just love getting, I love doing things like, I love getting straight A's. I love being perfect. Yes. I love like having no problems fasting. I never yes. had to do, I never did the whole fast a half Half a day day. like that counts god won't care like no i was like that's you're like that's you're faking it like bitch like right yeah so i yeah i prayed but then i just started feeling like a disconnect Mm -hmm. and high school was definitely when i started like definitely like liking guys and noticing that about myself but i was in such denial and then there were some instances where like before Grinder, there were like other websites, mm-hmm. sketchy websites. Now looking back at it, um, where I would chat with people and I met people, but like it's way different doing that in like a North Carolina yeah. versus a New York. Yeah, um, the pool is just smaller, and like people are even more discreet, aka like sketchy and secretive. Yeah. So who knows who I was chatting with? <laughs> but um, so I like did some stuff in like 11th and 12th grade and like never got caught but I wasn't out yet Mm -hmm. and then when I went to college I only went to college 30 minutes away I was really unhappy about that I wanted to get really far but I went to an amazing school I went to UNC Chapel Hill and I didn't I I never toured it which is crazy because I didn't realize people toured schools I I never I just like was like I'm choosing this one and I didn't bother to look at it (laughs) um and I loved it it was like it's the one of, I think it's the most liberal school in North Carolina. Tons of out of state kids, so many different perspectives. Um, and it was the kind of thing where I didn't want to go there because I wanted a different experience to high school. I didn't want to see the same people. Yeah. And a lot of people from my high school went into Greek life. And that's just like a totally separate community yeah. at UNC. So I ended up partying with them because free alcohol. But, um, I met all new people and had all new friends and they all assumed I was gay and in, not in a bullying kind of way yeah. in like, uh, um, we see you and appreciate you yeah. kind of way. And so I never had to come out. I kind of was just like, I don't know. I wouldn't say I was outed, but like people just saw me for who I was yeah. and I just kind of went with it. Yeah. Um, so there isn't like this like story of coming out. The person I, I did come out to my mom, but that's cause she called me about it. She called you about it? That's terrifying. Yeah. 
any call from, I was just telling Mo this, anytime my mom calls me, I do assume something horrific has happened. It's, I don't know what it is, but like my mom calling me, I'm immediately, I'm afraid. I'm like something, bad. it's bad. <laughs> totally. I don't know what it is, but it's not good. Something, yeah, something wrong happened. But she, I was at work. I worked at the bookstore on campus. Um, I worked all four years. Sometimes I had two or three jobs. Um, and yeah, I loved the bookstore because everyone came in and out of there. Like whether you're grabbing a snack or a Scantron mm-hmm. or a coffee. So it was a pretty social job, too. And she called me, and I was like, yeah, I'm at work. I'll just step outside from the register. What's like, what's up? Thinking it's going to be a quick chat. Yeah. So I saw, or so someone told me that they saw a photo of you on Facebook. It's always that. And they said you looked gay in it. Are you gay? And I'm like. Just like that? Yeah. I'm like, what? to, To the point. No beating around the, just. And I'm so thrown off, and I'm like. First of all, what photo do I look so gay in? Because I was also like still pretty, you know, discreet at the time. Like maybe I did have a photo of me in like a tie-dye tank top. But like... But it wasn't like the tank tops I wear now. (laughs) It was a very loose one. Um, And I freaked out because I was like... Uh, yeah, I am. I don't know what else to tell you, but I got to go back to work now. Bye. What the fuck? So it was just so funny because I, I was in a, what was cool was that I was in a place where I didn't have to deny it. Yeah. But she gave me like the worst opportunity to like have a conversation with her. So, um, you know, we continue talking about it. It's still a work in progress. And I think it's because I don't see her that often because I'm in New York and I think, out of sight, out of mind, she kind of like forgets sometimes or still clings on to the hope of me marrying a woman, which is the only way to me be only way for me to be happy, which is not true. But I know it comes from a good place. It's just, um, yeah, it's still it's still a work in progress, but I love her. And like, I kind of took me like a long time to accept that it's just gonna continue to be like a lot of work on my part to like get her to come around. And so I don't expect her to like be at pride and like cheering for me. So I have to like adjust my expectations. I just have to like, I'm super happy. She's never rejected me. She's never pushed me away. She always wants me to come visit. Um, She just like doesn't want to see photos of me in a speedo on Instagram. And I'm like, okay, well then don't look. Who knows? Maybe her stance would be a little different if she lived in New York because it's a bigger city. There's a lot more representation of all types of people it's in your face. Um, and she'd see me more often. Whereas in North Carolina, again, it's like that homogenized community. Like there's only one recipe for, for like what's a good Muslim and what's a happy life and a traditional family. So I get where she's coming from too, because whether her friends or her community are directly saying it, she feels the pressure. Mm-hmm. She feels the scrutiny the judgment and she's also a single mom herself so she already probably thinks like you know i'm sure she's really she's definitely self-conscious about it um because you know her friends aren't always free they're hanging out with their husbands perhaps so she is kind of a on her own in that way she isn't ostracized but she is different and i think just like societally people do kind of value women who are married and like have a husband like I don't, it's very subconscious, but like, even for me, like being in my thirties and not, and being unmarried, like the way people interact with me, not even just necessarily Muslims or Arab, but just like in general, I think that there is this subconscious, like you have less value because you're not, you're not doing what you're supposed to be fucking doing kind of thing. And so I can't even imagine like, yeah, like when you're like an older Arab woman and like, I'm assuming like her homies are all older Arab women too. And like, yeah, they're kind of. Arabs are not known to keep their feelings to themselves. <laughs> They're pretty blunt in in good ways, but also bad ways. Yeah, so much gossiping. It's crazy. I actually saw a TikTok recently that said that gossiping is good. And the reason why gossiping was demonized was by men. And I'm obviously like not, I'm going to do a terrible job of this. And also my source is TikTok. But like apparently like in ye olden days, like women would like gossip and like the men did not like it because their shit would like come out into society. So they started demonizing it and making it into this like very like, Oh my God, gossiping is like the worst thing that you can do. Um, but apparently I don't know. Sometimes gossiping is helpful. Oh yeah. In what ways? (laughs) 
I'm like, listen, you find out some useful information sometimes <laughs> that you wouldn't otherwise know. And it's like, all right, noted, you know, to a certain degree, not saying that you should like sit around and be like, I fucking hate this person. I hope they get hit by a car. But it's just like, oh, I well, that's not gossiping. But also, like, <laughs> you know, maybe I heard this person is a cat murderer. Mm-hmm. I would like to know who that person is so that I'm not leaving them alone with my cats. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It also just leads to a lot of false narratives. And I'm, I really am, I never found out like what the photo was that exposed me and who shared it with my mom. Cause I'm sure, I can't imagine how she felt in that moment. Do you have, are there like, um, do you have theories of who it might be? Cause anytime someone sends my mom a photo, first of all, she'll never tell me who sent it to her, but I always have like three different people in my mind. I'm like, it's one of these bitches. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. it's always people one of, I know. It's yes, it's oh, it's people we know sometimes related to most of the time for yeah. me. And like I'm like it's one of these three ladies, like 100% because only they would go out of their way to call my mom, send her an email with a photo. Not an email. Yes, an email. Not an attachment. Oh my god, my mom also has gotten See attached. She's received cuz my mom is a principal of an Islamic school, right? And she's pretty well known within like the Muslim community in Orlando and like she'll get emails that are anonymous fucking emails with just like my Instagram account. And it says like, look at your daughter. And she's just like, well, what of it? You Listen, know? It'd be your own khaltos. <sighs> Unfortunately. And mm-hmm. you know what's even your more aunties. fucked up? Even the khaltos I have that I know talk shit about me, I still kind of like them because they make really delicious food. So it's a very oh, yeah. toxic relationship. You have to kind of, and it's a very different experience for me than it is for you, but you kind of got to just ignore it because they have nothing else going on I in their know. lives. Like all they have is like their kids, their housework, they're cooking, which they really, I'm so glad they focus on it because so good. it's, yeah. And it's like, it's like the, um, the bright side of all of this, yeah. right? Like it's kind of, if their cooking was bad and they were just talking shit all the time, there's no reason to have, have a relationship. Of, I have one of those. Do you uh, have much of a relationship? Not really, but she does get food catered from very delicious oh, Arab okay. restaurants. So I will forgive. That's a redeeming quality. Yeah. yeah, yeah but she's kind of a cunt, but, um, <laughs> I, I have gotten into a few altercations with her because she's not that much older than me. Like the age difference isn't that much so that I feel like I need to like show like a little, like the respect I have for her is like, you are my aunt through marriage, but also like, you're not that much older than me. So I can be a bitch. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to. Sometimes you have to. And listen, she never asked me again when I was getting married. So, you know. <laughs> wow. Impressive. It was, it was at a family reunion and I literally, she was like saying bye to me and she was like, which means like, you know, you're, I don't, what does Arbalik mean? Honestly, like, I can't remember, but I know what it means. It basically means like, <laughs> you know, you're going to get married soon, hopefully type of thing. Oh, okay. And then she was like, <laughs> and then she was like, um, hopefully the next time we see each other, we'll be at your wedding type of thing. And I was like, why are you so obsessed with me getting married? This is us like we have our suitcases. We're leaving to the airport. And I was like, why are you so obsessed with me getting married? Like, There's what? something passive aggressive about it. Yes. Too. And it's just like, why are you so obsessed with this? Like, leave me the fuck alone. And she was like, don't talk to me this way. And I was like, no, I'm asking you a fucking question. Like your obsession with me getting married is a little unhealthy. And it's just strange. Why are you so obsessed with me? Exactly. Cue Mariah. Exactly. We just start playing the song. <laughs> the episode gets taken down by Apple immediately. Um, but no, I think... It's just one of those things that, like, maybe this is my personal opinion, obviously, but like, I do think it takes a certain level of maturity and like self discipline to accept your parents as they are, and like, also take the time to understand that the things that they are saying, although it might seem hurtful or could be interpreted as like a negative thing, understanding their intention based off of you knowing your parent, you know, and your relationship with them. And even if it sounds like a fucked up thing to say, sometimes I'm like, I know what you actually mean though. And I know you don't mean it to hurt me. It's more so like you think that this is your obligation as a parent and you are just trying to fulfill what you believe is your responsibility. And so that's why, like, I've been able to, like, definitely, like, not lose my shit so many times over things that my parents have said to me. Because I'm like, this is not coming from a place of, like, hatred. It's coming genuinely from a place of love. And although it doesn't, I don't agree with it. But, like, that's how you feel. And I'm not going to sit there and try to change your mind. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you've been on this earth way longer than me. And so I will be respectful as much as possible. But, like, also, like take the time to actually understand and have like empathy and like 
understand the environment that they were raised in and why certain things are so jarring to them and why they're like, no, you need to do it this way because that is just the only thing they know. Yeah. I think it's two things. I think it's like, it comes from a place of love ultimately, but I think it also comes from a place of, like I touched on earlier, societal pressures, yeah. right? And I don't think they they know how to distinguish between yeah. the two sometimes, at least for my mom. Like, I think if I was like, hey, you realize you want these things from me because you want to look good for your community. So it's yeah. really for you. Yeah, It's less so because it's like you want me to be happy. And I think if she understood that... Um, and she was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Let me just focus on you being happy. She wouldn't, she'd, she'd have a totally different tune. Yeah. But she can't, I I also have accepted that she can't think in that way and she'll yeah. never realize that. And that's also helped me kind of just meet her where she's at. And, you know, I never liked like getting into a fight with my mom and getting frustrated and cursing at her, which is so disrespectful. It just never feels good. It never, it, no. ma- it upsets her, but it, it would upset me a lot Absolutely. too. And so now, like, honestly, I want to say like, this has been the best year we've had because I was going home in December um, to visit and I was bringing my partner with me who I've been with for nearly five years. Um, and shout out Coop. Shout out to Coop. And I told my mom, I was like, me and Cooper are coming down together. And she'd only met him once before. And she was like, why? And I'm like, because it's the holidays and he's my partner. Yeah. And he knows my friends and I want him to see you too. And she was like, I don't really want to see him. And I was like, well, if you want to see me, you're going to have to see him. Like, it's a package deal. And she was like, fine. And she was, you know wasn't coming around and I was like mom like why are you being like this like you know like this guy is basically gonna be my husband yeah and she said astaghfirullah which really upsets me that's yeah I would imagine that's a really hurtful thing in that moment to say and for our non-arab listeners yes can you translate that for us astaghfirullah (laughs) means like I, I like I think it's seek forgiveness from, from yeah, God. Yeah, like, or like say the name of God. Wait, let's look up the de- the definition of a stalfid. I know what it means, but I'm like, what is the translation of it? I seek forgiveness forgiveness from Allah. Wow, yeah. you got it. So it's super shameful. Yeah. At least that's how I feel whenever Absolutely. she uses that with me. And I've talked to her about it in the past. Recognizing God. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's also like telling me that I, I'm doing something that requires yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. And... I calmly was like, mom, we've talked about that this before. Like, that's really hurtful for when you say this to me. And that takes a lot of like growth to, yeah. to like hold back your emotional, to your reaction yeah. and to level headedly, is that a word? Uh, you know, it feels, exp- like, it feels like a word. Explain to her like how it's not cool and just have a normal you know, conversation without yelling, without cursing, without getting too super frustrated. And we ended up talking for like another 30 minutes or so. And she was trying to get off the phone because she doesn't like having complex or deep conversations or at length on anything and just the way that her mind works. And so we got to a place where she basically like wasn't saying fine, I'll see Cooper. But like she was like, I kind of gave her a choice. I was like, listen, we're going to be coming down this, these dates, I'll keep you posted on which flights exactly. We're staying with a friend. Hopefully we can see you on this day. But listen, ultimately, if you decide not to, I understand. I'd love for you to, to like, I'd love to see you. And You're I, and such a nice son. I think. <laughs> You're literally. <laughs> but it took years to get to that. I know, but I'm just like, that's so fucking nice. Well, I also have to remember, like, I know my mom and I know she loves me a lot. Yeah. And, I don't, and she wouldn't miss an opportunity to see me if I'm in town. Yeah. Because uh, at the end of the and, day, and I needed to remember she's that. She's obsessed with you. you yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I needed to remember that, and so I kind of played it up like, okay, you have a choice, yeah, and you don't have to come. But she came, and she came over and sat at my friend's house with with us, and um, it was only twenty minutes, mm-hmm. but like twenty minute, twenty more minutes than I was expecting. Yeah, right. And so I was really grateful for it. He gave her some um, Palestinian olive oils. Oh. And some Palestinian soap. And it turned out it's a soap her mom used to use. Oh. In and she'd been thinking of buying it. So he did great. Um, I'm not surprised at all. That sounds just like him. He's so like, good. He's so good at, like, he just gets it. And then she, at the 20 minute mark, she like awkwardly had to leave in a hurry. And I'm like, why? But I was like, you know what? No worries. I'll see you later. Like, it's all good. We spent, we hung out the next day and had some one-on-one time. So that was my way of like rewarding her for... Yeah giving us 20 minutes. So we're getting there. Uh, I feel like that's definitely like, uh, it feels like 
you're moving in the right direction. And also like, I feel like it would be very difficult for her not to love Coop. She might resist, but like, he's very lovable. Yeah. And I think my goal, it was supposed to be my goal for this year, but I'm pushing it out. I'd love to buy a house there Mm -hmm. um, as an investment, but also just for her to live in too, because she's been renting this entire time and she has finally upgraded from an apartment to a house mm-hmm. and she loves like not living in an apartment building, like, but she still has to like, you know, answer to a property manager yeah. and whatnot. And so that's my goal for next year. And I'm hoping that that means I'll visit a lot more mm-hmm. and she'll see both of us together more. And that'll just continue to like, there's no rush. Like I'd love for us to like all be in a good place sooner than later, but it just doesn't have to be an overnight thing. I mean, yeah. it's been four years, but in her defense, she's only seen him twice now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I think this whole new, like, way of approaching it is, like, really working out. It just took us a while to to get here. Because it's, like, it, there's not many experiences like, you know, this that are being shared. So you don't have anything to really look to to, like, help guide you in figuring out, like, how to approach it. And then also, like, every single person parent is going to be different you know not all arab women are going to be the same you know what i mean like i feel like there's so many factors that make it into like such a unique kind of situation where like it's going to take time to figure out the best way to like approach it and communicate and help them understand and i mean i feel like i only recently like in the last three years understood how to communicate with my mom and like express things to her because you know how you were saying like your mom doesn't like to get into like super complex like anytime the conversation starts moving in a deep kind of emotional way I did find that my mom would like try to remove herself or be like I need to go pray that was Mm -hmm. her favorite excuse I gotta go pray I'm like it's there's no prayer that's happening right now and she's like (laughs) I'm just gonna go pray to my god I'm like okay first of all stop being weird and like uh territorial about god like (laughs) I think we share the same god but anyways like she will just try to like remove herself but I feel like it was through kind of listening more than speaking that helped me kind of figure out what because there's just so many miscommunications i mean my mom was born in the 40s okay very different mindset very different priorities like you know she's also like from leza and so to her like her priorities is like get an education and never stop getting an education because it's your only form of survival and then also like get married and like have children and raise them to be the best muslims in the entire world like that's kind of all she cares about and it's a little hard to connect with someone where that's kind of really all she cares about because i'm like i care about so many things and yeah like it's it's been a slow process but i i recently asked my mom like because again i'm trying to like build on our relationship because i just think in general it's hard when you're a first generation american to have like a deep relationship with your parent like in a real way and um I'll like text her and be like, what's your favorite chapter of the Quran? And she loves it. But like, I don't, not that I don't care, but I'm like, I know that this is something that would interest her. And I want to be able to create a dialogue because she knows I love music, but she doesn't care about music like at all. So I'm like, I want to kind of, you know, and then I sent her like a playlist that I made. I was like, mom, you should like listen to this playlist. And like, I guess I'm manipulating my mother. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you can look at it as manipulating, but the other it's, it's like you have a new friend and you're trying to like figure out what your common interests are. Yeah. And you'll lean into them more mm-hmm. just to like have a dialogue and like having that dialogue like helps unlock things about one another that you don't already know or brings you closer in general. And maybe like you've been talking about music in the Quran for a while and she's going to happen to tell you about some drama that happened at work. Like maybe she wouldn't typically do that. And so it's, Again, not manipulative, but it is strategic. <laughs> it's strategic, yeah, yeah. We're we're just strategizing. Yeah, and I don't know about you and your mom, but it's probably similar. I don't have a lot in common with mine, and so you, I kind of have to talk about these things that I typically wouldn't, because otherwise, it's what did you eat for lunch? And I, I've been doing that. We've been talking about that for thirty plus years. Yeah, now. no, no, no. It's always like, what are you eating for dinner? What are you eating for lunch? You should get this. You should make this. Oh my god, it's like, do you want me to ship you some spirulina? And it's like, I Aww. have an Amazon account or but she always wants to send me supplements. It's the funniest thing. That's it's so cute. It's her latest thing. Um no, it's and it's also I feel like 
because my dad retired when I was so young. So I spent so much time with him. So talking to my dad has always been easy. He's also a little bit more emotional than my mom is. He's not your typical Palestinian dad. Like he's just very like in tune with his feelings and with mine and like respects my feelings and like would apologize to me if he like raised his voice. We'd be like, I'm sorry, Baba type of thing. And like my mom is a little more quiet, reserved. Um, I did find out recently that her parents never said I love you to her her whole life, but like not in a way that they didn't love her, just in a way she's like, why do you need to say I love you? How do you say I love you in Arabic? There's actually so many ways. Like, you don't say bahibbak. You could say bahibbak, which means, like, I love you. You can say fideetak, which means, like, I, like, am committed to you. But it's also, like, a form of saying, like, I love you. But there are so many ways to say I love you in Arabic. I just don't, I have to, I'm going to have to ask my mom, because I think the only way my mom has said it is in English. And she said it but it's all my life. Yeah, but bahibbak just sounds more, like, intimate, like, to a partner, Okay. Less so like family or yeah, child yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or parent to child. So I'm going to have to go back and ask her like what she would say because I only remember I love you. In any case, um, you can unbreak that, what is it called? Generational trauma. trauma and say it up. Say it up to your well, mom. Well, no, we actually, like me and all of my siblings, I, like all, all the Khadi children did kind of like condition my mom where she does now say I love you okay but I feel like it was also her becoming a grandmother Mm. type of thing but my dad signs every text he's ever sent me with which means like I love you a lot Baba yep (laughs) every text so that's the thing my dad loves expressing his affection to people he's like super affectionate verbally he loves like touch like he's always like hugging us and like so it was like so much easier to connect with him to the point where like as I got older I felt like I was like neglecting that relationship with my mom because it was just always easier with my dad. Yeah. Um and I'm like realizing now I'm like let's let's try to work on this. Let's not just take the easier route, yeah. you know? It's never too late. I think it's I mean, you can look at it like we're in our 30s and like all this time has been wasted, but it's also like you approach the relationship in a different way as an adult. Yeah. Um, you're asking questions that you typically, like you don't really care too much about, but you actually do care about their response. Maybe the subject matter isn't for you, but so you look at it with more intentionality. And I don't know if it's because you feel like there's less time or it's because you genuinely, I do feel that way. That that is part of it. Or you genuinely like want to see them as a person and not just a parent. Like I'll ask my parents, like, how are you feeling? And they'll always just say like, Alhamdulillah, which just means like, thank God. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, can you just, how are you actually feeling like emotionally? Like, how are you feeling? And they're always puzzled, but I'll continue to ask it periodically. And maybe one day they will actually understand. But I also feel like I don't know. My parents don't like having fun means nothing to them. Relaxing. They're like, what the fuck is that? They're just, they don't like, we do just don't see things in the same way. And also I feel like the way they see things is very much just like you're from Gaza. And that's what that is because I don't know that other people are like that. (laughs) No, tons are for sure. (laughs) I feel like my mom is really similar. Yeah. Your mom is from Gaza. Yeah. Oh, true. That's why. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and I was actually, I, I was telling you yesterday, I think, I started journaling. I bought this journal from, it's like a meditation, not meditation, sorry, a motivational journal by, you know that Instagram account, Subliming? Yeah. So like beautiful typefaces yeah. and, and like colors and gradients and yes, exactly. Sublime.ing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but I bought this journal like over a year ago and I was like, you know what? I'm off this week. So I'm trying to like rest, trying to catch up on errands, do things like this podcast. Yeah. And um, it asks you like, you know, who are you envious of? Like, let it all out. Who do you admire? Like, write them a letter. Um, what What's your theme for the year? Like, like write all the words out. That's kind of um, cool. It's really fun. Like, I didn't think I would... Every time I'd start like a new section, I'd be like, "Ugh, I don't know." And then as soon as you start like hitting that pen to paper, like it just flows out. And um, I was writing about like who I admire, and I wrote about like um, two former uh, managers or people like in leadership positions that I really liked in the workplace. But then I was like, "Wait, my mom for sure." And it 
the the prompt was like, who do you admire? Um, and when you're writing about them, like notice which traits of theirs you actually share. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes like your heroes are people that like you aren't similar to, you yeah. don't think you are, but actually you have some things in common. And I was writing about my mom and she's super resourceful, super resilient. Like she became a single mom. Um, she start, She became a mom of three by the time she was like 21. Wow. Didn't go to college, was had just moved to the U.S. Uh, for an arranged marriage with my dad. And she became a single mom when she was in her early 30s. And her first job was at Subway. And she was so proud to get a job. And she eventually started working at a bank as a teller. And, like, she just was so, super grateful to, like, be able to be independent. Mm-hmm. Granted, making no money, but be able to pay her own bills yeah. and, and take care of three, like, basically teenagers um, who were base, essentially American and gave her a lot of trouble. Yeah. And so she was super strong. And, like, she moved our family, like, from New York to Jordan, Jordan to North Carolina, and back and back again. And just, like, always kind of, like restarted her life constantly like looking for a new apartment constantly buying like all new used furniture and all with like several children several children no money no you know not a lot no family to lean on because we don't we don't have any family in the u.s and so she just kind of figured things out she would lean on like muslim friends from the community but like again like she could only ask for so much so i share a lot of that those traits like i applied to college on my own. I like did my FAFSA on my own. I that shit a, is hard. Yeah. I became an independent student because she moved out of the country at one point. So I had to like do all this stuff to ensure I could stay at a university. I moved to New York on my own. I moved, moved to New York with two months of rent in my pocket. And like, that was it. And I definitely got that from her just like watching her because remember I started the podcast by saying I really paid attention to how she like moved through life and how she navigated certain things and it definitely left um made an impact on me and like you know she's not like a big executive or whatever but definitely one of the people I admire the most yeah it's like for surviving and like I mean I don't know your mom but like I just have like immense respect for her just based on what I've learned about her I'm like she just sounds like a really powerful woman and I feel like to be a single mom but also like have immigrated to America and like it's so many factors that like I don't know that I could do that but it's like seeing someone do that I'm like that's just inspiring in itself like she really fucking did that and like she's doing it and I don't know it's I mean yeah that's a great role model to have that's the thing about like immigrants that I'm always so that I admire so much is like refugees immigrants you name it that just like either move on their own or move their entire families to like the unknown because they know it's going to be better than the situation they're in, but the situation they're in has family. It has some, some familiarity. It's like a safe community, hopefully, or at least it's a Muslim community. So yeah. you kind of know what you're, what you know, what you're getting yourself into, but they'll move to like Iowa, to New York, to Chicago, wherever, just because they know there will be some Muslims there. Mm-hmm. So they have somewhat of a community. They don't know what their job's going to be. Mm-hmm. They don't know if they're going to be hate crime. They don't know anything, but they just have to do it. Whereas we're like, invited to a dinner and we're like who's gonna be there yeah like are there photos on yelp like we can't like decide like what to do on just like any given night because we need to be sure what we're getting ourselves into like we're so spoiled and we don't just yeah we've been conditioned that like we need to know we're we need to be guaranteed of a good time yeah and, and they really did not know if they were going to have a good time. And they, prob- yeah. <laughs> they probably were not having a good time for a long no. time. The way I would have been like, okay, I'm, what's the next spot? Is there a next spot? Like, can we, can we leave? Like, can we go? Because I, yeah, it's, and I mean, even for my parents, I feel like they were in a position of like, when they moved here, they both knew what their jobs were going to be. But like, just hearing my mom talk about it, I'm like, it still seems so difficult because you know, she spoke English, but there's still like a language barrier and then like cultural differences. And just like, she got frostbite. I just found this out my because my parents lived in Pennsylvania and it was snowing and my mom had to get to class and her car wouldn't turn on. So she just started like walking to school because that's my mom. And um, she got frostbite and didn't know what it was. And her professor was like, you literally have frostbite. Like you need to go to like a hospital. And my mom was like, oh shit. Like I was wondering what what the fuck was happening here. And like, she was just like, yeah, I just didn't know what frost, like I've never been in snow. So like, 
I didn't know that that was like a thing I should be concerned about. I just thought it was cold. She's probably like, I'm not going to go to the hospital. I can't pay that bill. <laughs> like that's how my mom is. I'm like, you have insurance. Like get your physical, please. Listen, my mom hates going to the doctor. We bully her about it. She just, she's a scaredy cat. That's what she'll say about herself. She's like, I'm just scared. Like, I don't, I don't want to know. And my I'm mom like, just says I want more problems. And I'm like, this will be a bigger problem. That's, that's literally what she said. She's like, I don't need any more stress. I'm like, mom, <laughs> but you know what would be stressful? If you had like some underlying illness that you were unaware of. Uh, that's going to make us all stressed. Yeah, no, she's. She's just, she does not like going to the doctor at all. Like, we just force her to do it because we're like, Mom, you're like 74. Like, you should probably go to the doctor, like, regularly. Yeah. Feels like something. I love going to the doctor, personally. You love it? Yeah, I love, it goes back to, like, the perfectionism. Like, I love making sure everything's good. Like, I love getting, like, all the negative tests. I love having no cavities. Or if I do have a cavity, getting that shit taken care of. Oh, I do love going to the dentist, though. Oh, I love the dentist. I love when they tell me that I've been flossing really well. I'm just like, thanks. (laughs) that positive affirmation like same thing I loved it in school too like it wasn't like so much for me to get the A's I wanted my teachers to know they were giving me A's Mm -hmm. my parents didn't look at my report card so I needed to like they didn't well it's not that they didn't look they didn't like ask for it I'd always be like look what I got hello I was like me hiding it in my backpack crumbling it up and my mom being like where's your report card and I'm like I don't know I don't think I got it she's like no you definitely got it and I'm like I don't know mama like I like just don't look at it I was just always always a straight A student until I was a senior in high school because at that point I got into college and um when you get straight A's that long it's not a special like I didn't get any attention for it at home no because it was like the norm it was to be expected interesting and I never got like a minus or B like it was always A's and um it made me really proud I think also just like being I don't know I think about it I'm thinking about it uh recently and I think it's like being closeted it just made me feel like I was really good at something at least and so I was like well you might be bullying me but I'm fucking smart yeah and you're getting held back yeah yeah, Brian. Exactly. I, I don't know who no, it was probably like a Brian. Yeah, or a, fuck you. Some Brian. American name. Yeah, some some fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. just me now fighting someone who doesn't exist. Thank but, you. But no, I mean, wish you were there. <laughs> I listen. I probably would have bullied them back. I was a little bit of a bully in the seventh grade, but not like a real bully. Like I wasn't saying mean things to people. I would like bully girls who didn't have the same gel pens that I had. So, and it was a very short-lived phase. Okay, good. Because my mom was a principal of my school. Got it. So she did find out and she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you teasing someone for having not the same amount of gel pens as you? Because I was like, well, they're fucking losers. And my mom was like, you can't, no. you can't say that. Well, she, she got you together. She did. She, did. she was age. like, what is this? She was like, no, that's not nice. And I was like, damn, I guess you're right. But I was just, um, I was a little demonic because also when your mom is a principal of the school, you do kind of feel like... You want to push the limits. You want to see how far you can go. Because what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Send me to my mom's office? Like, right. great, amazing. Oh, I'm sure she has snacks. Yeah, yeah. You can already imagine what that was like <laughs> for my teachers. I was always talking in class, making little jokes. Um, but then I stopped going to my mom's schools, and I definitely was not doing that. I was like, also, I went to like British system school. So you like stand up when the teacher comes in, and then you're oh wow silent. I actually went to British school in, uh, or British, had a British curriculum when I went to school in Jordan yeah. for seventh grade, and I loved it. I loved it too. I felt like I learned way more in Same. those systems versus like an American system. It was like a weekly schedule, mm-hmm. and I was taking bio, chem, and physics. Physics really made no sense at the time, but I definitely came back to the U.S. like way advanced. Yeah. No, I... I was never good at math and I still am not good at math, but like, I still was like, I felt like I knew more when I came back for college than most people did. I couldn't do it very well, but I was familiar with it. You know, where'd you go to college again? Uh, UCF go Knights. <laughs> oh, I said, UCF, oh, go Knights. Comma, got it. Go Knights. Got it, got it. Uh, University of central Florida. Got it. Which okay. is my mom went to school there. Oh wow! All of my sisters went to well, not all. Yes, of them, but alma like, mater. And then my nieces I have two nieces that graduated from UCF also. Okay, so legacy like three generations of UCF knights. I'm not particularly. Uh, I wasn't like into college when I was in college, but now I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool that me and my mom and like my, my nieces went to the same school. It is. I think so. Yeah. I, I feel like that's something. My mom. I don't have any. I was a first generation um, American and college student. And 
so like I had no playbook to work off of. Yeah. I had my mom dropped me off when I first moved in. I think she may have visited me like handful of times, mm-hmm. but like she had no idea like what it was, what the experience was like. And um, I mean, I had a blast, but I'm like, I would love that. I would like, it just sounds like that would have been my ideal. We should have done a switching places situation. Did you live at home or did you move I lived, out? I didn't, I lived at home until I was 27. Oh, wow. Because I was actually the only person who, like my sister got married when she was like 21. So like I was, I'm the youngest. So it was just like me and my parents living together and it was honestly kind of nice. Like they're just, they mind their own business. Like, you know what I mean? And like, it wasn't until my parents were like getting a little bit older and they wanted to move into a house that's like connected to like my brother's house that I was like, love you guys. I don't want to live with my brother. He's kind of, I didn't know you had a brother. Oh, no one ever does. Yeah. Um, I only see how many, how many are y'all? We're five girls and one boy. Got it. Yeah. But my brother is, you know, he's a complicated man. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, uh, <laughs> offline this. I'm like, yeah, he's, 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 you know, we look alike. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, it was like, then I moved out. But that's the other thing. My parents were just like, why would you want to do that? You could save money. And I'm like, I just want my own space. And they were like, okay. Well, you'd been saving money for all those oh, years. No, I absolutely was not. You thought I was saving money. Any money I made was shopping money. I was like, I don't have any bills. That means I could buy more Marc Jacobs bags. Like that, I was not thinking like, ooh, let me save money. But then like when they were like talking about moving, I was like, wait a second, I don't want to do that. So then I was like, started to like actually be a little more financially responsible, which is good. Probably a little later in life than most people. But then I was like, okay, well I need to, I want to be financially independent. Maybe I need to stop buying so many bags. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's crazy. (laughs) A small sacrifice. Yeah. It's crazy how, if you just stop buying bags, you will have money in your bank account. Did you, um, okay. So I know what your career was before, um, you became a creator and podcaster, did you have any like high school jobs or like any part-time jobs? I got my first job after graduating from college. Go Knights. Yeah, Go Knights, exactly. That was my first job. I was working part-time for my mother, which at the school. At the school. And high school. It's a K through 12 private school. Um, and I was working part-time as a counselor. Which maybe, I don't know, working with your mom, it's really hard to separate the two things. Because, like, I will be a baby when I'm talking to her. And I'm not like that in most professionals. (laughs) So it was, like, it was stressful because I didn't know. There was, it was hard to balance that relationship that you're my boss, but also you're my mommy type of thing. Um, And then. What if other people were in the room? I don't know that that would change anything actually. <laughs> like I'm the youngest. So like I'm like a brat, but, um, but then my sister was working as a prosecutor for the state. Um, and she was like, Oh, there's like a volunteer position opened for like, um, kind of advocating for survivors of domestic violence. Cause I was working part-time and I was kind of bored. And she was like, you should just like volunteer. And I was like, okay. And I volunteered for like two weeks And then, um, the person who was like mentoring me was like, oh, there's actually a position opening. Like you should apply for it. And I was like, interesting. And I applied and I got it. And then I was working, started working there and it was honestly a government employee. Mm -hmm. I had really great health insurance, really good health insurance, like the best health insurance. I'll never have health insurance like that ever. Really? It was amazing. I think I paid $40 a month and I had like the, like I never had a copay. Oh, wow. I love like that. Every, I hate a copay. Like, I would go to the dermatologist, and I think I would pay, like, and it would be, like, my second visit. I would pay, like, 50 bucks. You still don't have a derm here, right? No, York. I don't. It's very sad. I, like, kind of like mine. They're fine. I need to find a better one. But um, what was I going to say? Sorry. Wow, I'm impressed. It's taken this long for me to lose Listen, my train of thought. Well, you're you're doing it at the correct time because we we've hit the hour mark. Get out. We did it. We did. Wow. We did. How, how are you feeling about your first podcast? I'm feeling great. You know what? I'm gonna have to do a little plug. I think the reason why I think we set ourselves up for success because we went to Court Street Grocers <laughs> and got sandwiches before this. Yes, and we did. And was it your first time? No, I've had their sandwiches, but I've never actually gone to that location. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're amazing. They have a few around the city. I no longer am an ambassador for them, but I'm a, just a fan and I highly recommend. But yeah, I think um, this has been great. I've had so much fun. 
this are we like, am I wrapping up right now? You're you're literally doing my job and you're doing it maybe even better than me. So I think this is now Mo's podcast. Yeah, it might be. And I think, you know, I have a few <laughs> ideas for where we're going to go next time. I think I'm going to ask you some questions. Ooh. Um, so I won't give you a pre-read though. So it'll be like, we'll switch it up for the listeners. Yeah, we do another episode where like you like surprise me and like just start asking me you know, random questions. Yeah, I think I might do like accents. There might be like some role playing. You, Who knows? We're going to like flip the script. Listen, well. on Patreon, every episode I've ever done, the first five minutes I'm talking in a different accent and I don't know why and it's never intentional and it is just something within me that like comes out and I just start talking in crazy accents and it's pretty startling. Yes, Patreon plug. How- <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this has been so fun. Um, where can people find you online? Anything else you want to plug other than Court Street Grocers? You know? <laughs> Um, my IG is Momofuku, M-O-E-M-O-E-F-U-K-U. Um, I'm not really, that's like, that's really all I do. I'm not out here like that. He's on. But who knows? I'm getting inspired by talking into this mic. Listen, we, we're going to get, I want you to be on TikTok. That's what I want. I do have a TikTok. <gasps> I only, I post, like a secret TikTok? I post privately. Okay. Very, like every few months. It's pretty rare. Listen, I'm going to find out what it is, and then I'm going to oh, start... You, you can have access. I'm going to start sending you... My TikTok is the same as my IG. <laughs> it's just private. He's like, it's not that hard to find, Nora. Um, But as always, guys, you could follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho, where you'll see a sexy photo of Mo, because there's a lot to choose from. I was going through your Instagram today, and I was like, you're very photogenic. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, it's a little curated. <laughs> it's all curated. Everyone knows that. We're all just... It's a lie. I look like a rat right now, but... Um, not at all. <laughs> You could follow me on Instagram at Nore, where um, I don't know what I've been up to. Honestly, taking pictures of cats. And as always, guys, don't forget to wear your sunscreen, floss your teeth, don't be a fucking asshole. And I will talk to you next Sunday. And avoid the acid rain. Avoid the acid rain. It's so sketchy, guys. Don't walk in the rain. You'll die. Stay safe. Bye, y'all. Bye.